there are all kinds of extremist groups out in the streets. There are gunmen standing outside ballot boxes where people are voting right now as we speak, intimidating people, harassing people. This is where rhetoric goes too far and where we have to pull that back in and say this isn't okay. They're here. They're proud of it. It's the Proud Boys. So who are the Proud Boys? Many of you will have heard of them and might know them as the right-wing neo-fascist group in the US that only allows in men and engages in political violence. Designated a terrorist group in Canada and New Zealand, they are known for the vehement support of former President Donald Trump. The group is led by Canadian writer and far-right political commentator Gavin McInnes, who was also the founder of Vice Media, which is surprising, I suppose, because Vice has often positioned itself as edgy and left-wing, but a closer look reveals that isn't typically the case. They've done some great journalism over the years, but they're often just annoying and hipster, regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum. The only thread I see in Vice Media is how they look down on just about everyone. Anyway, McInnes brought that hipster vibe long known as a lefty fashion statement to the right. So you see all these marching, angry racists with hipster beards and attire. Now, this being a podcast of curiosity over judgment, I should note that not all of their members are necessarily racist or misogynist or anything else. What they're best known for is their involvement in the January 6th Capitol attacks, the storming of the Capitol, and the trial of five of the group's leaders around that attack is due for December 12th this year. So that's coming up. It's going to be big in the news. In terms of symbolism, they're known for wearing t-shirts praising Chilean dictator Pinochet's murder of leftists uh, and all sorts of quite scary symbolism and things and McInnes has been quoted as saying I want violence I want punching in the face I'm disappointed in Trump supporters not punching enough here to talk about the Proud Boys who better than Andy Campbell a writer from the Huffington Post who has a new book out called We Are Proud Boys so do look that up if you want to know more Andy gives us a fascinating insight today into the group and whether they are dangerous or not he and i do have some debate about the dangers on the other side as he is far more concerned about the right whereas i think far right and far left are two sides of the same coin although the left tends to be a bit more insidious and creeps in with its ideology under the guise of righteousness a little bit more whereas the right does sort of come in and punch you in the face a little bit more as mckinnis has called for But uh, I do worry about both sides equally. But it's good to debate. And Andy was a good sport with it all. And I hope it makes for an interesting episode. Thank you to Ash Meekle, the producer who organised this, and Sean Atwood for making this happen. It was originally uh, meant for his show, uh, the Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast. So go send Sean some love on his channel. Coming up are episodes with the founder of the Aryan Brotherhood, Michael Thompson, and also Rebecca Smethurst, on black holes but now you're on the edge of the proud boys with andy campbell how you doing it's it's so nice to be here i appreciate you inviting me on oh well thank you for yeah thank you for coming on where are you talking to us from today brooklyn new york it's where i work at uh at huff post and i've been here for about 15 years now new york i'm walking here right 
That's <laughs> right. That's right. It's a hard That's time walking here, actually. Um, now we're <laughs> back is. into the world. I was there just um, last week in Brooklyn, my first ever time in New York. And I went to, um, I can't remember the name of it, actually. It was a cafe in Brooklyn near the water. But, but why, why should you know what, what that? I had guacamole on toast or something. I hope you had some good food. It's some of the best food in the world over here. It really was. It really was. So tell me um, about the Proud Boys. That's what we're here talking about. You've written a book about the Proud Boys. Who the hell are the Proud Boys? Right. So, you know, this book is is not just a history of the Proud Boys, but also a, a primer on our entire extremism crisis. And, and I think the Proud Boys created the playbook for our current extremism crisis in the digital age. These guys uh, are known now as the guys who the Justice Department believes helped to plan and execute the insurrection. There were dozens of them there at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, but I've been covering them uh, for six years. Um, they were built out of the audience of a reactionary podcast host named Gavin McGinnis. He also founded Vice Media, which you guys have a property of over in the UK. But Gavin McGinnis uh, built this gang out of his audience. He literally um, sat down with them uh, and, and built rules for them, told them, you guys are going to be the extrajudicial enforcement arm of the GOP. You're going to go out there and fight for Trump's grievances uh, on behalf of the GOP. And so while he was sitting on his show, he gave them a bunch of bigoted tenants. He told them uh, that, you know, women uh, were and working women specifically were responsible for the downfall of masculinity. Um, mm -hmm. He told them that anyone could join as long as they agreed that white men were responsible for the success of Western culture. So there's white supremacy in there. But at the end of the day, he built rules for the Proud Boys um, that incentivized political violence. Go out there, punch leftists, attack people that Trump is complaining about, and you can attain uh, the highest ranks. And sure enough, through that, uh, they went on a six-year parade of violence and intimidation that continues to this day. And through other relationships that they built within Trump's inner circle, um, they also normalized that violence. And so now they're celebrated by a huge swath of Americans as a patriotic fighting force. Ah, I mean, somebody's just said any relation to the Pet Shop Boys, which relates to what I was actually just going to ask. Do they have no sort of irony with the name? Because the Proud Boys sounds like, I don't know, like the Silly Sausages or something. Like It, really, it seems right, like a no. silly name. Yeah, well, it, you hit the nail on the head in that there is a big tongue-in-cheek element to this that sort of ah. obfuscates the violence. Now, Gavin McGinnis um, likes to claim that, you know, he... he built the name for, you know, some funny reason or another. They're not violent. They're just a fraternal organization, uh, a drinking organization. That is, of course, not true. But through my research, I found the, the moment on his show when he talks about the origin of the name, he was sitting at a concert, a recital for his children here in Brooklyn. Um, after they got done playing the drums and guitar, a young kid uh, about 12 years old with brown skin takes the stage and starts singing a number from the Aladdin musical titled Proud of Your Boy. And on his show, Gavin is just disgusted by this. He calls the kid gay. Um, you know, he claims that the kid must be a fatherless Puerto Rican, only his mom's there. Just this horrible racist tirade against Christ. this kid. 
And they start using that song, proud of your boy, the phrase as a call in. So instead of saying, you know, first time caller, long time listener into your show, they're saying proud of your boy. And over time, that joke gets iterated down to the Proud Boys. And immediately when he launches the Proud Boys, he likens them to a gang. And he says, you know, the reason why we have a cutesy name is because if you're called the murderers or something, those guys are <laughs> those guys are pansies. We are the Proud Boys. The guys with the cutesy names are the ones that are most violent. And sure enough, that ended up being true. It's completely insane because it's like a it's too many levels to it because it's it's only a cutesy name because it's so ridiculous. But on the surface, the Proud Boys is quite a nationalistic, strong name and ridiculous. So it doesn't work. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, there are other really ridiculous, uh, uh, you know, tenets and 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 things that they go through to become Proud Boys. I'll tell you about some of oh them if you want. <laughs> the, the ranks of the Proud Boys. I'm sure some of your uh viewers have heard this. It's ridiculous. But the first rank of the Proud Boys is to just declare yourself a Proud Boy. Whether you're arrested, whether you get fired from your job, you have to be proud of being a Proud Boy. The second degree and the most embarrassing degree requires two things. First, you're surrounded by a group of other Proud Boys and they punch you repeatedly until you can name five breakfast cereals. Um, this is supposed to gear you up for battle and, and uh, you know, steal you for fighting. But uh, it's really embarrassing. There are YouTube videos yeah. of this. Uh, it, it, it's oh. just really weak-willed punches, uh, people with their, you know, <laughs> ass hanging out of their pants. It's it's hilarious. The second part, and even more ridiculous uh, of the second degree, is that you cannot masturbate uh, unless you're within several feet of a woman. Shut Gavin up. McGinnis, yeah. That's Gavin not McGinnis, a thing. I know, I know, I know. Now, Gavin McGinnis uh, calls this a revelation. It's supposed to raise your testosterone for fighting. It's supposed to make you more virile. Uh, and it's all based on really bunk science. There's like a, uh, there's a study from 2001 with a sample size of 10 that found your testosterone's raised when you don't masturbate very often. It's totally ridiculous. Um, but, you know, these types of ridiculous things serve the Proud Boys uh, to sort of look less serious than they are. Because what Gavin doesn't often say is that the fourth rank and the final rank of the Proud Boys is, is only given to those Proud Boys who commit a significant act of violence or get arrested for the cause, which is GOP causes, right? Wait, what does GOP stand for? Uh, a, a grand old party. It's uh, it's Republicans, conservatives, uh, the, the, uh, the party on the right here, uh, which includes yeah. Trump. And uh, and so when I say GOP, I'm I'm, I'm essentially talking about the the Trumpian right. Was was Louis C.K. a, a, a proud boy, given the masturbation in front of women thing? <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, look, there. I'm sure that you guys had it in in, in high school, uh, some iteration of it, where it's like if you don't have sex before the big game, you're going to be able to tackle better. You're going to be able to kick harder. Right. Uh, it's all bull crap. Um, but but they you know, callers into his show said it was a revelation that they totally changed their lives. Um, certainly it made it so that they had to hang out with other proud boys forever because nobody else is going to hang out with these guys. <laughs> oh, it's all placebo though, isn't it? It's all like, uh, you know, I've seen exorcisms that people have then been better, you know, and it's just, right. I've actually gone and done, I did the exorcism on a, on a woman once and she got much better, but I don't have any <laughs> religious power. So Absolutely. it's just placebo stuff. It's like um, hazing, I suppose, isn't it? And it's, it's like these university groups as well. You've got to like drink piss out of a shoe if you want to join the rugby team or whatever it might be right 
Totally, 100%. Um, but but this is a little bit, you know, the, the the difference between Gavin McGinnis and other shock jocks like Alex Jones, you know, these conspiracy theorist guys, is that he, he you know, between these sort of silly musings and his tongue-in-cheek approach to bigotry and racism, uh, he would turn to the camera and say, get out there. I want more violence from Trump's people. I want you to go out and fight in the street. And they certainly do that. And they, you know, I mean, wow. to this day, uh, they are out waiting outside uh, ballot boxes. Some Proud Boys have uh, have found jobs at polling stations. They're you know within certain Republican circles, and uh, they're out there bringing intimidation and violence to regular everyday American events. So it's it's certainly scary what's happened and how they've transformed over the years. It's what's surprising, I suppose, to I guess a lot of people listening would be that this is the guy you said he was the founder of Vice Media, which is seen as this sort of leftist thing. And he looks very much like if you if anyone doesn't know who he is and you want to imagine what the vice founder looks like, that's what he exactly looks like. So this is quite right. surprising. Handlebar mustache, uh, you know, suspenders, sleeves rolled up. You know, he looks yeah. like he wants to wants to appear as like an old timey boxer. Um, but really, he's a siloed media executive that issue that issues orders from his studio in upstate New York. Now, Vice Media, it's an interesting story because, you know, Vice Media was at first a counterculture rag and given out for free in New York to to 20 somethings. And it was it was uh, Gavin's editorial voice alongside just filthy photos of partying and fashion blogs and, 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 and whatnot. And, and Gavin's uh, uh, editorial uh, uh, vision for the po- for the place was so abhorrent that once they started getting more popular and getting more advertisers, Gavin got pushed out. One of the articles that Gavin published uh, in the pages of Vice was essentially a guide to date rape to to you know uh, sexually oh assault any woman and get away with it. Right? I mean, this was just wow. disgusting stuff. Um, that sort of you know in the early aughts, the misogynism or sorry misogyny was really you know it was seen as like the comedy gold and. A lot of comedians from that era were friends with Gavin McGinnis and moved on from that as culture evolved. Um, Gavin doubled down and brought his audience with him to his own show in about 2008. And that's where he started iterating on that, doubling down on the, you know, the nationalism, anti-immigrant stances, anti-LGBTQ, and of course, the violence aspect uh, at the top of it all. Man, I've got to say, like, without wanting to venture off topic too far, whenever I've had to deal with anybody at Vice, it has been horrific. It's been the worst experiences. And I've heard that's pretty common. I know he's left and they're not the Proud Boys or whatever, but they're just human scum. That's my yeah. Well, there is there. You know, there are there are different uh, uh, wings to Vice. I mean, there was certainly mm. after Gavin left, you know, a wing of Vice that was like, you know, we're going to take acid and go out there and just do ridiculous shit. I mean, they were a uh, you know sort of a, a fraternity of the of their own. Um, now they do have a respected news operation here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and in the U.K. But those are reporters who aren't going to be doing the sort of like stunt stuff on TV, right? Yeah, they they've done some amazing stuff in like the Middle East. They've done really really good uh, d- journalism. But the the kind of things, and I've, I'm talking about offices around the world. Just every time I've like walked into the, I had this one thing right, and I, I remember I was really excited to talk to Vice because I was quite young at the time, and it was one of my first sort of forays into this kind of world, the media world. And I had this new bag that my aunt had bought me, and it was like quite a uh, posh, elegant bag. And I was in there every day for like a week talking about things. And I didn't bring it on the last day. And I remember this guy just turned to me when I came in. He went, oh, 
no bag today. And I realized in that moment they'd all been being really vicey and like judging me for having like a silly thing. And I felt oh, awful. Yeah. Digital media in the, you know, the 2012 era was just the wild west. I mean, yeah. they, they were paying their employees uh, and not just vice, but all of digital media was paying employees with swag and with audience rather than uh, money. And it was just, it was a yeah. wild time. <laughs> That's probably what but, it was really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, it's Gavin's uh, metamorphosis beyond that was, was, was really just, just yeah. wild to see. I mean, the, 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 I first locked onto the Proud Boys in 2017 after Trump takes office. And, you know, there were all these weird extremist groups that had come like been born on the internet on like 4chan boards showing up at Trump rallies. I specifically remember a, a kid wearing a, a, a flag as a cape and the flag was a German Nazi war flag, but instead of red, it was green. And instead of uh, a swastika, it had like a Pepe the Frog uh, type yeah. meme in the middle. And well, that's I not a Nazi flag anymore. That's just a yeah, different flag. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. And, th you know, this is the, this is how, um, you know, extremists have used coded language to obfuscate uh, what they do for so long. And now all of that stuff is super mainstream. And so, so mm. the Proud Boys emerged from all of these weird groups as something more concerning because where the other guys didn't want to talk to the press, they wanted to stay anonymous. Proud Boys wanted to talk to me. They wanted to use my platform to get their ideology out there. And they wanted to be celebrated for the violent attacks that they committed. And so that was, turned out to be really concerning. And that's when we started looking further into Gavin McGinnis uh, and his type. But man, uh, they have exploded over the years, even after January 6th, after a number of their leaders are, are, are behind bars awaiting sedition uh, charges right now. Um, they are still out there every day uh, across the country. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. 
To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Man, they're so, they're a really weird one because are they the ones that, I mean, it started very suddenly happening that you kept seeing these sort of quite right-wing fascistic guys causing trouble um, who who were like hipsters, like Gavin McInnes, you know, they're, they're all sort of nice haircuts and really sort of handsome men in a sense, some of them. Uh, Absolutely. You know, he gave them uh, a slick back look and he, you know, uh, took took from you guys the classic uh, Fred Perry black and gold polo. I mean, when I'm, you know, walking around in, in London and I see uh, one of those polos, I have to remember that that's not automatically a proud boy. But certainly here. Do I look like uh, one? <laughs> you could probably make it. But, uh, but, but, yeah, I know. But, uh, but, you know, so they do have that that sort of slick back look. And you know, at the same time, when when you see an American protest and, and, you know, even even protests overseas and you see people in makeshift body armor using flags as, as weaponry, um, using football pads um, as armor. I mean, this started with the Proud Boys and they just gave this new look to to political violence. But but what's what's kept them in business this whole time is that, you know, obviously, you know, the average the uh, person is is going to look at political violence and say, no, I don't support that. But the Proud Boys, through their relationships with Trump's inner circle, positioned what they were doing as something patriotic. They're saying immigrants are coming for you. Uh, trans individuals are coming for you. You know, the left is coming for you. We are the necessary uh, defense force against the rising left, which is, of course, not an equal threat by any measure uh, that you count it. But the majority of this violence is being exacted against people who just want to exist. And so a huge swath of Americans, unfortunately, uh, view the Proud Boys as a political force. And that's why even after January 6th, you know, there are top politicians that embrace these guys and celebrate them for being out there for Trump. The fashion thing's really smart because I do think that racism and, you know, in general, since the 70s and 80s, it started to become very passe uh, and people do stuff because they want status in their community a lot of the time. Uh, so to be racist, you were seen like, oh, you know, I've, I've heard people say a lot in America in particular, you know, oh, you're, you're like an old man on the porch, you know, you're like, it's right. really passe and boring. So to be this cool, fashionable guy and racism becomes fashionable again, that's quite smart. Absolutely. And it's also in the language. I mean, you know, they use coded language to to make, uh, you know, uh, hate, their hate campaign against women, against Jews, against LGBTQ community um, seem like it's it's something normal. For example, you know, all summer 
politicians and pundits and extremists have been referring to trans people and uh, you know really the entire LGBTQ community as uh, groomers, um, as if they're yeah. grooming your children. And and now you know you know Proud Boys and other militants are out there attacking and harassing these people um, because they've shifted the narrative such that it, that, that they're making people who just want to exist um, appear as something threatening to Americans. And and on top of that, we have politicians making policies based off of, you know, this, these conspiracy theories and lies. I mean, we have uh, uh, politicians all over the country taking uh, books that discuss gay issues off of the shelves at schools. We have the Supreme Court is probably going to rehear whether gay marriage should be legal federally. I mean, so, so this is where the pipeline from extremism to policy uh, gets really short. Um, and, and the Proud Boys yeah. have a lot to do with that. See, I think you do need to have like plurality of opinion and you need to, you know, I, particularly as a journalist myself, I'm quite happy in a sense that there are extremes so I can actually cover stuff. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, obviously, that's not good for victims and things. I do. I do admit that. But but, you know, there needs to be plurality of opinion. But I, I do think when you use charge language like rumor and we know what rumor really means. I think that's doing a disservice to to your point. I, I've I've had this problem sometimes with with Jordan Peterson. I think because he he's you know he makes I th- I think sometimes fair points. You know it's it's it can be complicated. Um, and then does them in such an angry way and it's such a and I heard Russell Brand talking to him about this. I think it was just today or recently. And he said you do yourself a disservice because when you're shouting like that so aggressively and you're using unfair language like that, it doesn't help uh, to get your point across. And he actually Jordan Peterson, to his credit, said look, you know I am trying different things out and I'm. I, I'm not always going to be right about that. So it's, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, we had a great example of this. There's a, there's a huge difference between. I mean, you know, free speech is a pillar here, and and so you know, we and especially as a reporter, I revel in free speech, and I think that there should be differing opinions too. And and but but recently at Pennsylvania State University, um, they invited Gavin McGinnis to speak, and the students there were saying, you know, that the school positioned it as a speech issue that he should be allowed to speak you know we have ideological differences but the students were saying no every time he shows up to a speech he brings proud boys and they attack students it's happened many times over the years and he runs a street gang and so sure enough gavin shows up on the university's invite his proud boys attack students and it becomes a safety issue the same goes with people like you know jordan peterson or or, you know even joe rogan um, who who know that their audiences are listening and they know that the atmosphere, the temperature is so high right now that there is an army of regular people out there ready to mobilize on these words. And so it takes, you know, it, it, it takes getting your audience to rein it in when it comes to violence. If you have a deferring opinion, you know, mm. Gavin McGinnis went on Joe Rogan and, and, and revealed uh, the violent requirements to be a proud boy and a whole bunch of people joined them. I mean, those, that, that's where, for me, um, speech, you know, should be talked about as, as something that's more violent. Um, and, and it's where, you know, we should stop allowing people to, you know, get permits to protest when we know they're coming into town to fight. Well, yeah, if we know that. But then sometimes you have to have, there might be assumptions. I don't know if Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan, because they're fairly, at least uh, Rogan, in my view, is fairly centrist. Totally, yes, no. Against the Proud Boy guy, against Gavin McGuinness. Well, he, 
years later when he got a contract with Spotify, they deleted all the episodes and he sort of, you know, lightly apologized. But the damage had been done. And 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 again, you know, I'm I'm not trying to say that that Gavin McGinnis and Joe Rogan are the same or that Jordan Peterson is. What I'm what I'm trying to say is that when you identify as somebody with a huge platform like that, that oh, the thing that I just brought onto this platform could do some real, real world harm. Um, I need to rein it in personally. I need to have, mm. you know, the, 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 the mindset where I'm going to, you know, make sure my listeners know, Hey, maybe don't go out and uh, do an insurrection. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, they uh, shouldn't and, and be so doing there's that. A, there's a responsibility yeah. for sure. Got a question from Jake Forder in the audience. Are the Proud Boys an extreme form of conservatism that is a reaction to overtly liberal policies such as diversity that threaten American nationalism? Are you uh, so so? Let's talk about you know leftist uh, militants for a second. Um, you know there are absolutely leftist militants out there. There are anti-fascists. There are people who you you know know as the guys in black balaclavas holding uh, Molotov cocktails and standing in front of uh, burning you know police buildings and raising their fist in the air. But first of all, in America especially, um, the you know Trump's own um, uh, law enforcement agencies, along with many researchers, many journalists have found time and time again that far-right extremist violence is above and beyond, just not even comparable as a threat right now. It is, we are seeing uh, domestic terrorist acts on the far right um, at, at levels we haven't seen um, since the KKK, you know, right now. And, and on the left, the numbers just don't show that. But Yes, leftist militants exist, but there's also, I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand the, the the breadth of what leftist activism is, right? There are people that go out in the street and physically counter Proud Boys and some people who go and fight the cops. But there are a bevy of researchers, you know, professors, uh, journalists and activists online who are working to thwart um, extremists online um, and, and, and through legal ways. Uh, a lot of people don't know mm. that the hundreds of prosecutions that came down uh, after January 6th uh, against the defendants there, um, that came from dossier building by regular people researching online and pulling public information uh, and then handing it over to authorities. You know, this is the majority of activism uh, that counters right-wing extremism here. And so I don't I certainly don't want to uh, downplay the idea that there are, there is militant leftism out there, but our greatest domestic terrorist threat right now is that of far right extremism and Trump's own law enforcement agencies agree. Um, well, fair enough. And Aaron is asking, do you think the trend of young people having less sex has correlation to the number, um, yeah, yeah, to the number of members of the Proud Boys? You know, um, I think that the Proud Boys have a lot of, uh, you know, they have they they have a lot of reasons for for joining up. Um, they 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 cast a wide net in terms of who they want to to join them. Gavin McGinnis says, you know, if you're anti-immigrant, um, you know, they they use fear tactics to to bring guys in. So certainly, there's a lot of guys that they're saying 
white men aren't having enough babies. We need you to come in here and this you join this group of virile young men. Or they say immigrants are coming for your uh, your family and your American values. Join for that reason. Or if you just want to go out in the street and fight, you can join for that, too. Or if you hate women. And so they cast a really wide net and it certainly helps them. I think the biggest thing that helps them recruitment wise is that they have relationships with um, uh, Trump's people. They've never been rebuffed by Trump's people. And in fact, during the 2020 debates, uh, when Trump was on that stage, I think a lot of your uh, viewers might know this moment when he said when he was asked to rebuff the Proud Boys and instead he said, Proud Boys, stand back, stand by Um, this. You know, whether or not you believe that Trump's intention was to mobilize the Proud Boys, the leader told me uh, that they'd never received so many recruiting calls. They'd never received so much fundraising. And certainly they started preparing for civil war that very moment. They saw January 6th as their last stand for their president. And they saw his quote as mobilizing them. And so I think a lot of people join because they truly believe that the GOP, the Republicans want them out there uh, fighting for, for patriotism. And certain, some of them say it outwardly. I think I guess I'm, j- I'm just thinking about what the viewers uh, uh, have said, really. And and I, I do I do see how that the right wing extremism is is more dangerous. But I'm just wondering if part of that is a reaction to what seems to me anyway, like the left has won uh, the culture war. The reason the Proud Boys had to dress up like hipsters was to sort of adopt what was fashionable, which is a sort of lefty uh, ideal that a lot of us subscribe to. And it became sort of at least in I know in the US it is more diverse than that. And Fox News is huge. Uh, in the UK, it's very much sort of the leftist. A lot of, you know, if, if you did say something that didn't agree with some of the gender ideology or something like that, you could easily be suspended and banned and that kind of thing. So I suppose the leftist stuff at the moment in this, you know, it goes back and forward, doesn't it? Uh, back in the 60s, it was the other way around. The right had the culture war you couldn't sort of swear or say anything raunchy or sexy and then the left uh, had to be more aggressive with their mm-hmm. acts of terrorism and stuff yeah and you know i i i think that first of all um fox news and company do do a lot of work um to to equalize uh, a leftist threat of violence specifically um where the that that equalization doesn't exist and and i also think that that you know if the Proud Boys were exactly what they said they were, which is a fraternal political organization that hangs out from time to time, they like to drink and they like to throw mm-hmm. events for Trump, then they would absolutely be around and be allowed to exist. I mean, there are conservative uh, organizations all over the country that aren't marching around and attacking uh, drag queens and uh, you know leftists in the street. Um, there are a whole bunch of groups that aren't putting together a plan to overthrow the government at the Capitol building. But the Proud Boys use, you know, that, you know, kind of messaging that we are being, you know, we are being canceled. We are being, you know, held down by the left. Our culture is being taken away uh, because some people said some mean things about us on Twitter when really they want to go above and beyond their anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ stances. They want to go above and beyond the, you know, I, I, I don't want abortion. I just I don't want uh, I don't want gay people in my country. I don't want immigrants in my country. And they attack those people and they are celebrated mm-hmm. for attacking those people. And so right now, the, the atmosphere is such that, you know, there are all kinds of extremist groups out in the streets. There are gunmen standing outside ballot boxes where people are voting right now as we speak. Uh, you know, intimidating people, harassing people. And, and, you know, this 
is where uh, the rhetoric goes too far and where we have to, you know, pull that back in and say, this isn't okay. Now, the right-wing media machine very much likes to, you know, equalize and say, instead of, instead of calling off their dogs, you know, Nancy Pelosi was just attacked in her home with her husband uh, this last week um, by, by a far right extremist. And instead of, you know, the party saying that's not okay, our people, you know, shouldn't be doing this, should not be mobilizing on, you know, their political stances violently. Instead of doing that, they point at the left and they say, look what the left is doing. Look what the left is doing. You can do both. You can do both. That's my argument. Yeah, yeah, and I, look, I I agree with, with with respect to where they cross over the line. I mean, I'm personally at this point in my life probably a, a liberal in many respects. We talk about you know talk about abortion, so you know that kind of thing, um, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, gun control, and probably things like uh, prisons and things like that. You know, not arresting violent, only arresting violent offenders. So most of my I would align mostly sort of what are traditionally quite leftist things. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of friends who who would be the opposite right and i just think that's completely fair enough because they do they they have the opposite views because they they think that ideologically that is the best thing for everyone it's not because they're mean horrible people uh but when you cross the line into violence as the proud boys appear to have done that's that's when you cross the line and that's a scary terrorist organization then and it's unfortunate that conservatives you know are sort of forced into this position where they have to answer for um extremists because again i'm not talking about every person who has yeah. uh, right-wing values or ideologies. My whole family's conservative, um, staunchly so. And and so, you know, I, I'm talking about- and you love them. People, I, I love them very dearly. And they love my book. It's it's nice. But, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, when, when, when you have this, this rhetoric that goes beyond and, and pushes into the violence and pushes into, you know, we need to uh, defend our own and our own being- uh, the white race, right? I mean, this is where it gets to very, very dangerous territory. And it's territory that we're sitting in right now. Um, the far right extremism has pushed itself into every facet of American life right now. They're, they're scary people. I mean, how, how worried are you? How worried should people be about the Proud Boys and, and other variations thereof? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, I'm not worried about a proud boy coming to knock on my doorstep. And certainly in the UK and beyond, people aren't worried about the proud boys, but it's their ability to coalition build and their playbook that they leave behind that makes them so scary. I mean, while, you know, in in 2018, um, a guy named Enrique Tario, uh, a proud boy, comes onto the scene and he decides, you know, they the proud boys were at Unite the Right, that Nazi rally in 2017 that sort of lit America on fire. Um, and and he looked at that and, and saw all of the groups that were at Unite the Right, all of these really right wing extremist groups dissolving because they were just hate groups. And he he realized we need to become more political and we need to help the American people understand that we are patriotic. Uh, if we're going to stick around. So he started gathering Proud Boys, putting them, having them run for office, having them befriend uh, uh, Republican officials, and and then also having them grab anyone around them to join up. And so now you have a situation where if Tucker Carlson or Donald Trump point their fingers at, hey, drag queen story hours, which they have been doing all summer, you have pockets of extremists who are rallied by the Proud Boys to show up there, attack people, bring guns, um, and 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 they do. Same is going to happen at this election. Proud Boys 
are working at the polls. They're bringing armed vigilantes to, to ballot boxes. And so we are going to have a very dangerous situation just for voting uh, uh, this election. And, and that's that's where the threat lies, is, is the coalition building and the playbook that shows how you can go from bumbling street gang to a real political force. Got a, a question, uh, not a question, but a point here that I think sums up a lot of uh, what is wrong with uh, people's thinking sometimes. Uh, from Anne saying, maybe George Soros is behind both sides, and then Chris saying, you nailed it. Anne. And I wonder if that is the thing that can link both the left and right and make them all get along is blaming the Jews. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is, is, is you know, it's more sort of, uh, right now, a lot of our politicians and pundits are going back to anti-Semitism as as a fallback for for as the answer um, for all of our problems. And it goes, you know, it's it's very similar to to Gavin McGinnis saying it's immigrants that are coming for you. It's it's trans people who are coming for you. It's Democrats in general who are coming for you. Um, we are now using once again coded language to say it's probably. Uh, Jews and you know people like Kanye West and Donald Trump have joined in uh, this new chorus to say maybe there's a shadowy force that's behind all of our problems and maybe we should attack that and so we are going down a very very scary slippery slope once again. Well, Anne now says no, I would never blame the Jews. So I do apologize if I've made an assumption, but I would I would recommend looking up more about the George Soros um, conspiracy well, theory stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right, Andrew. I mean, George Soros is you know he's a billionaire ph philanthropist and he does donate money to causes, but he is used as um, sort of a pillar of the shadowy forces behind all of societal ills, um, as if you know, and, and and to many he represents um, the you know the, the Jews at the top, and so they use him as a vector to code anti-Semitism as something that's just targeting one person and not a whole class of people. Yeah. Well, like I said, I just, I, you know, would reaffirm that I don't know what Anne's actual intention was. And she says it was not about the Jews. So I do apologize to her because that, that can be a problem as well. We make assumptions. Not everybody knows about the conspiracy theories or that side of it. Um, and especially anti-Semitism because it's such an insidious, uh, absolutely hidden one. And, and 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 a lot of people get drawn into this and they don't realize because we are given so much misinformation. It's a huge, huge issue, especially on this beat. And I would urge you to get this book because, again, it is a primer on how all of this, all of the, the, the media, law enforcement, politicians come together to create this machine that helps bring people into a more violent attitude. I think there are a lot of Americans who are very well-meaning. Um, who are being pulled into a situation where they truly believe the election was stolen when it's a total conspiracy theory and a lie. You know, they believe that the Proud Boys and other extremist groups are patriotic and out there fighting these nefarious forces um, that George Soros is funding. Um, but but it's the reason why I go to a political rally today and I see a neo-Nazi wearing, you know, kind of meme imagery instead of a swastika. And he's standing next to an old woman who could be my mom who doesn't know she's mm. standing next to a Nazi and they're both rallying together. Um, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of savvy um, to understand the moment that we're in. And it's, it's, it's really confusing. When you say a meme, so like the Peppy the Frog thing instead of a swastika, but is that not the same as saying about Antifa, they're wearing a black square instead of an SS or whatever sign? 
I mean, I, I wouldn't say that Antifa is the same as Nazis, um, but you know, yeah. I, perhaps I, I think perhaps there are socialists, though the the sort of you know East German kind of thing. Well, I mean, our you know our socialists uh, are far different, uh, uh, are far apart in, in ideology, and, and certainly, I mean, the the again the 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 extremists and the ideology that they're tying it to here are saying we want to eradicate uh, entire groups of people. Um, mm. Antifa, at least as it stands here, mobilizes when extremist groups come into town, these violent extremist groups, and, and fight back against them. And they also sometimes, you know, they go up against police, but they are not uh, committing acts of terrorism over here. Um, it's just not... Uh, it's just not something that you can compare to the far right extremist threat they, here. They so, smash up shops, if, don't they? They, yeah. they smash up streets, ruin people's businesses, defund the police, try to, you know, the police that most sort of uh, impoverished people, the very people the left should be trying to protect, rely on and depend on. Right. But they, you know, Antifa here doesn't consider itself part of the same left that voted for Joe Biden. I mean, it, it, you know, one of those guys, the guys that might light a, a police building on fire would uh, would not want me or, or Joe Biden standing next to them just as much as they wouldn't want to stand next to a Nazi. I agree. And so oh, I agree. So but I wasn't criticizing and, leftism. I was, I was criticizing Antifa. No, no, no. That's but, but what I'm saying is, 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 is that these, you know, these things are not under the same umbrella as leftism. And so there's no sort of, there's no sort of movement to say, uh, to say that like, you know, the left has a Nazi problem too, right? It's the left has uh, this, this sort of issue because they are, you know, the people that burn buildings uh, are not, um, are not the ones that are voting for Joe Biden, right? But, yeah, they're, and not, they don't represent, they're not activating on Joe Biden's words the way. You're right. They, they don't represent the typical sort of leftists. Of course, they don't. They're the extreme. But I think most people who are conservative would say that the Proud Boys don't speak for them. And and the Proud Boys, well, they got, you know, they got lucky with Trump, I suppose, but they wouldn't probably want George Bush or any of the previous uh, Republican presidents as their guy either. Well, unfortunately, we have Proud Boys uh, uh, that are, heading Republican committees. They're running for office. There are members of extremist groups that are in office right now. Um, and there are top politicians and pundits who support them. Roger Stone, one of one of Trump's top confidants and one of the Republican Party's top confidants going back 50 years, uh, is admitted to me in an interview that he'd been uh, advising uh, his friends in the Proud Boys politically for years and helping them to to make themselves into a political machine. And so, unfortunately, it sounds ridiculous, but there is a big contingent of of the right wing that says these are our guys, and that's how mm. um, they've molded themselves. I've started to feel differently about some some slight bits of extremism because I think I can be a bit of what we call in the UK they call it like a centrist dad which is like a boring white man you know who doesn't get active enough in the community and just says everything's fine because it's fine for me you know and I get that uh and I used to look at like some of the there's like a leftist thing called Extinction Rebellion in the UK. And I used to get so annoyed because they like glue their faces to the motorways, the highways and don't let people pass. And people die because they can't get to hospital. But then I did start thinking about like every time there has been a push uh, for, for something, 
you have had to unfortunately take some losses and you have to really rile people up. It's the only way. So I've started thinking, you know, I don't want to be the one that's stuck in traffic because of them, but maybe it's all right that they're doing that kind of thing. I'm just thinking out loud, Andy. <laughs> well, and it, you know, it's, it, it's a good discussion to have. And I, I just, you know, I, I just want to disconnect because, you know, those things that you're talking about and, and even when it comes to uh, the burning uh, uh, buildings, I mean, there are a few times where that happened. But, you know, a lot of people and I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of people in the UK believe because of the way the media portrayed the BLM demonstrations of 2020, there were thousands of demonstrations that year. Uh, researchers, Harvard researchers went through every single one of those events and found that at 96.6% of those events, there were zero calls to the police for acts of violence and there were zero calls to police for property destruction. That means they were overwhelmingly peaceful. But if you look at Fox News, the way that it portrays it, and even really CNN, you would think that some cities are still on fire to this day, that they were crumbled by property destruction. And it's just not true. There, there are these small images um, that are played over and over and over to give you the sense that there really is this Antifa threat burning down everything and, you know, everything's on fire. And mm. it's just not true, especially when you look at, you know, these, you know, the people gluing themselves to the to the, their faces to artwork uh, aren't going to, you know, listen to uh, the prime minister and, and go out and, or hear the prime minister's words and go out and shoot up a, a, a mosque or something. And, and we have a lot of people yeah. over here willing to do that. Um, uh, so yeah. it's just, it's, it's just, it's about where you draw comparing lines. Yeah. It's so difficult, isn't it? Cause I mean, news, uh, you and I are journalists and it, you know, it's just so hard. It's so hard mm -hmm. to get things out and to be, uh, even for just a person to be impartial just in their day-to-day -day life and to know when you are being impartial. Uh, cause you, when you talk of CNN, I remember that, uh, image that became a bit of a viral sensation of a presenter when it said, uh, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests after police shooting and behind it's like world war three. It looks insane. And right. there's, I mean, there are always efforts. I'm, I'm a bit, you know, maybe I'm too much of a devout centristy guy and I always want to do the devil's advocate thing. But there were always both sides. So I'm sure if we could have somebody who was from maybe a center, you know, you're from the Huff Post, I guess that's a center left organization. If there was someone from a center right organization, you know, an also sensible person, they'd be saying, oh, well, those are interesting stats. But what about these stats that show this and that? And maybe, I, I don't know, I guess we could... I don't really know what my point is, actually, Andy. But well, I, you, I, I do agree with you about the Proud Boys. <laughs> no, I get, I, I get it. And look, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to deny that that there were bad things that happened, and and I'm not trying to, you know, I, it's not even my job to uh, be the defender of Antifa, and I'm not trying to to defend Antifa. And I talk in my book a lot about um, the the ups and downs of Antifa and what they've done, and and and. The, you know, the times that I've had scraps with with anti-fascists in the street. Um, but but, you know, when I get asked the question, what about Antifa? Um, it, it's just important to note exactly where we stand with with the, the horrible um, acts of of domestic terror that we have. I mean, um, you know, property destruction aside, you've got so many mass shootings here, so many um, uh, attacks, voter intimidation, attacks on the LGBTQ community. Um, and, and these people are out there loud and proudly uh, declaring their names and then uh, uh, attacking people in the street.
did when you were writing the book did you did you have any sort of difficult conversations with uh proud boy people yeah a lot i mean it's <laughs> difficult is a weird word but i i uh it's certainly they, they they're not fans um you know gavin mcginnis is, has you know sort of veiled sent veiled threats to me and my wife um oh my proud God. boys have tried to release our personal information and extremists uh, of multiple groups, um, you know, have, have sort of come after us, but, you know, because I'm a white guy, um, they, they don't really see me as somebody that they can intimidate. When you bring a woman like my wife or a person of color into the mix, that's when they really start ramping up their attacks Mm. and making house calls. Um, but, but certainly, um, I've had uncomfortable conversations and I've had conversations where, uh, that are totally normal because at the end of the day, these guys want to talk to me. They want me to regurgitate their words without criticism uh, so that they can get their ideology out there. It's a big, big part of their playbook. They must know you're not going to do that, though. <laughs> At this point, they probably should. Um, but, but you know, uh, the, the my book and the things that I say are very fact-based. I had 350 citations in this book. I mean, this is not an op-ed. This is not an opinion piece. This is This is showing from being out in the street with these guys showing exactly what they do, um, you know, drawing from their communications and drawing from police reports and showing uh, this is what they do. And when they lie, telling people, hey, this was a lie. Here's the document to prove that. Um, But it is it is kind of ridiculous that they continue talking to me, but they certainly do. Yeah. See, I do, I do a lot of videos on Scientology as another sort of cultish kind of thing. And um, they just don't talk to the media. Tom Cruise did like twice about it years ago. And I think that's probably the best thing you can do because they, I think they realize quite quickly, the more you talk to the media, the more ridiculous, you know, because your, your ideas are going to be exposed as the nonsense that it is. And mm-hmm. just surprised they'll come to you and think you're going to write, you know, pleasant things about them. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the strategy here is really just pushing as much information as you can out there to just, you know, and they hope that the good stuff will rise to the top. And sure enough, you know, one interview in which a reporter does a a bad job of being critical of a violent street gang uh, with political violence in its rule set uh, that, you know, there is there's a really bad interview that ABC did with Gavin McGinnis. Um, where they they sit in his home and give him soft lighting and, you know, his wife's making sandwiches in the background and he's just deny, deny, denying, you know, saying all these lies. And that is one of the top Google searches for the Proud Boys, that video. And it totally makes him look like some a completely different character than what I found in the hundreds of hours that I had to watch of his bigoted show to to put this book together. And and uh, it's certainly, uh, it, you know, one one good article can rise above the rest for them and that's what they search for have you had any pushback since the book came out from from proud boy people well the proud boys many of their leaders including enrique tario the the leader that made them more political that i talked about are sitting behind bars awaiting sedition charges which seditious conspiracy uh is very serious charge that's not often prosecuted um that that says you conspired to commit a crime with a group but you also did it to overthrow the government. So it's a very serious charge. Um, the Proud Boys have been um, very concerned with their optics um, as they await their fellow members going to trial. And so they haven't said much 
about it. That said, Gavin said, you know, while I was writing it, Gavin McGinnis said uh, he was going to sue me as soon as the book came out. He sent a threatening email to me and my wife. Um, and, you know, certainly um, they are waiting for, you know, uh, for, for their sedition trials to go through, at which Gavin's supposed to be a character witness um, until they, you know, go back on uh, their, their fiery run here. So I guess, I guess it remains to be seen what their reaction is to the book. Um, it's been well received elsewhere on, you know, on both sides of the political aisle. I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that though, particularly with your family and all of that. It's, it's, it sounds awful. Has it put you off writing about another extremist group in the future? No, um, no, we, we, we continue to do our jobs and we, we have security measures in place. And, um, you know, we, we are in contact with law enforcement and with our own security group. So we, we take great care with this stuff and, and we keep our head on a swivel. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, their uh, ideas uh, for intimidation and, and harassment um, is to stop um, and, and, and silence, you know, voices against them. And so um, I'm absolutely not going to stop. Um, but uh, we're 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 keeping it in mind for sure. Well, I, I I wish you safety or whatever one one says in those scenarios. And and where can people get your book now? Presumably Amazon and all the normal places. You can absolutely get it on Amazon. It is uh it is going to have a staggered release in the UK. So I will hopefully uh, be be over there um, sometime early next year when it does officially release in the UK. But you can buy it. Uh, and, and, and ship it from America right now. It's also available in audiobook and Kindle form and all that good stuff. So you can listen. I have a great narrator, um, but it's available where books are sold in America. Fantastic. And are you on Twitter and all those things? Yep. Andy B. Campbell, A-N-D-Y-B is in boy, Campbell at uh, on Twitter. Um, and you can also find my ongoing coverage of uh, the extremism crisis in this upcoming election at HuffPost.com. Fantastic. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. It was a great chat. I think we kept each other on our toes. Uh, about- Absolutely. No, I, I listen. I, I I love being able to, uh, to to sort of you know get involved in in discomforting conversations because I think a lot of people are having them on their own, and uh, it's good to come together and, and really uh, hash that stuff out. So I really really appreciate all the questions from your viewers and, and from you. Uh, very very informative conversation. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. And and on behalf of the viewers, I appreciate it as well. Thank you to my wonderful guest, Andy Campbell. Please go follow him on Twitter and get his book, We Are Proud Boys. Hope you enjoyed that, especially the debate about the dangers on both sides of the political spectrum. Do you now fear the Proud Boys? Do you live in, live in fear of the Proud Boys or laugh at them? Do you ridicule and mock the Proud Boys? Let me know in a review on Apple Podcasts or contact me, get in touch or, or whatever it is on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok or patreon.com slash Gold, where you can support the podcast and get ad-free episodes. By the way, there are now differences between the audio podcast you're listening to and the YouTube page as I'm delving deeper into things like Tom Cruise and Scientology on the YouTube channel and don't want to flood the audio feed with too much of that stuff. But if you're interested, find On the Edge with Andrew Gold on YouTube. Episodes are coming up on you know both the YouTube and this, this audio thing you're listening to about black holes and the Aryan Brotherhood. See you soon.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.